And so the title of this morning's message is, You Said What? And we want you to be blessed this morning. Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We use this term in the English language called immutable to describe this verse. And immutable means this, unchanging over time or unable to be changed. And I'm so grateful that our God is unable to be changed by our circumstances. But we serve a God that can certainly come into every circumstance that we have and change them in the blink of an eye. And I know it's going to happen in your life here this morning. The other verses that's our theme verse of scripture is Revelation 19.10 and it says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and that means what he has done is the prophetic of what he's about to do. So the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy in what he is about to do. And I want you to think of some of the greatest, most amazing things you've ever heard, not just seen, but heard about in your lifetime of God doing such as mass revivals taking place, mass salvations taking place, mass healings taking place, uh, just, just the biggest things you've ever heard God do, whether it's a Bible story or something you've witnessed from, from historical documents that he did after the, the biblical period, the, the writing of the gospels that we have. Think of some of the greatest things, and I want you to begin to rehearse them in your spirit because the testimony of what he has done is the spirit of prophecy, and it sets us up for what he's wanting to do right now. Amen. And so I want you to receive that in your life. Those things that he's brought into your life are not there for discouragement. It's for the spirit of prophecy. He's not trying to bring you something to show what's impossible. He's trying to bring you something to show you what he's about to do in your life. And I'm so excited because i got to quit preaching the latter parts of my message. And last week we talked about um, we do not live in reaction to the problem or reaction to darkness. We live in response to God, amen? We do not live in reaction to darkness. We live in response to God. And as we live in response to God for many things, we know that our response to God brings the fire of God to the situation we're in. And last week, a quick little recap at the very end of the message, we, we talked about the fire of God. And there was a verse of scripture in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56, that talked about fire when the disciples said, Jesus, can we call fire down from heaven? and they rebuked them but then there's another verse of scripture towards the towards acts chapter one and chapter two when god says when you respond to him in the proper fashion rather than reacting to darkness you respond to god when you respond to him the fire of heaven can fall and that's what we witnessed in acts chapter one and acts chapter two with the with the uh, with the holy spirit coming at pentecost and so we want to talk today about living in response to god and uh, we don't live in reaction to the darkness but we live in response to god and my my question today is, how do you respond to God? And that's why this sermon title is, you said, what? Because some of us, that is our response to God when he tells us something amazing and tells us something awesome that's about to take place in your life. And so I want us to talk about two different people who had similar accounts or similar circumstances take place in their life and very different results of what happened. And both of them were contingent on their response to God. When God said something to them, their response dictated how the Spirit of God from that point moved in their life to bring about two completely different scenarios. And they both happened in the Gospel of Luke and uh, chapter number one. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter number one, and we're going to read Zechariah's story, and that's chapter, chapter one, verses nine through 20. And as we read Zechariah's story, we're going to jump down a few verses when we get done with that and read Mary's story, as this is part of the, the Christmas story. But there are two people with very similar situations, but two very different responses. And with their different responses came different results. 
Zechariah's story is Luke chapter 1, verses 9 through 20, and it says, According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying, everybody say praying, were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Everybody say amen. Amen. Some of y'all need to rejoice this morning. Do not be afraid today because your prayers have been heard even this morning. And so, so your prayers have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. That's a promise some of you pregnant mamas need to stand on. Come on. That, 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 hey, if God did it before the resurrection in John the Baptist, he can certainly do it after the resurrection in you. And so even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of their children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, Jesus, in the spirit of Elijah, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And Zechariah said to the angel, for how shall I know this? For I am old and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Mark these words, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now let's read Mary's story, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Mary's story is very similar. The same angel shows up. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Everybody say amen. This morning you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord your God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and in this the sixth month uh, with her who was barren for nothing will be impossible with God amen for nothing will be impossible with God and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord now mark these words let it be unto me according to your word come on now and the angel departed from her The very first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is one point, and this message has one point but several subsets in it, and ignorance asks for understanding, unbelief asks for proof. Ignorance asks for understanding, unbelief asks 
for proof. Now, in this, these two accounts that we read, we have two very similar accounts, very similar circumstances taking place. Both were visited by the angel Gabriel. Both freaked out. Come on now. Both the, the angel responded to both. The angel prophesied over both. And there was a response by both of the people. And we're going to break down those five subsets of this one point. But I've got to let us get an understanding. Ignorance asks for understanding. Unbelief asks for proof, and I want us to be a people that ask for understanding, amen, and not a people that ask for proof. I want us to be a people that even though we don't know all the answers, we ask for understanding so he can show us answers. We're not a people of unbelief that says in our arrogance, God prove it. He has proved it. He's God. I love Proverbs. Only the fool says in his, in his heart there is no God. But when you say God prove it, you're walking eerily close to the line of a fool in your life. And so ignorance asks for understanding, unbelief asks for proof. And so in this, asking a question is not unbelief. It is the need for understanding. Making a statement many times is unbelief. And this is the difference between Mary's response and Zachariah's response. Mary asked a question. Zachariah made a statement. And I'm amazed at how ignorant I've been just reading my Bible. If I would actually apply sixth grade English skills to reading the Bible, it would answer a lot of questions. Amen. It really would. Quit putting a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. Amen. Things like that. Quit, quit inferring things that God didn't infer. And so as these two accounts take place, Mary and Zechariah had very similar accounts, but both ended up very different. Both were visited by the angel Gabriel. Everybody say Gabriel. Gabriel is an archangel, and he rests right there with God. He's one of God's top men, if you would say it like that, in all the heavenlies. And so when God sends Gabriel to handle a situation, I'm telling you, God's sending himself to handle a situation. And Zechariah was visited by Gabriel. And it says, there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. Later you find out it's Gabriel. Mary, in verse 26, it says, in the month that angel Gabriel was sent from God, and the virgin's name was Mary. Can I tell you this? There is no shortage of heaven wanting to invest earth including God himself there is no shortage of heaven of God wanting to invade my very circumstances right now Mitch and Andrea there is no shortage of heaven of God wanting to come and invade every aspect of your life where you're needing and wanting or in lack in any area there is no shortage of heaven Laura of God wanting to come and transform whatever situation is lacking his kingdom presence and we as the church must realize Kendall that there is no shortage in heaven the only shortage there is it may be in us and therefore we make a statement of unbelief rather than ask a question that will give us understanding. I've got to get it through, the, the, through this this morning. If we're going to get the fullness of this message, there is no shortage in heaven. There is no shortage in heaven. There is no shortage of healing in heaven. The issue we have is how do we get that part of heaven to infiltrate our earth? There is no short of financial breakthrough in heaven. The issue is how do we let financial breakthrough in, 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 inhabit this place called earth? There is no shortage of deliverance in heaven and so there should be no shortage in the church. Come on now. God's not got a waterfall behind you holding it back and letting a trickle come. And if you can imagine Niagara Falls being stopped and just a little trickle of water coming forth, God's not doing that with all the abundance of heaven. In fact, he's trying to break a wall down to try and get all of heaven to infiltrate your, 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 your whatever it is here in this earth that's making you miserable. And so when the angel of God came to Zechariah, they were desperately wanting a child. 
They were in need of a child. When the angel of God came to, came to Mary, she said, oh, goodness, I'm having a what? <laughs> right? But their responses moving forward begin to dictate everything in this story. And so I want you to say, say this with me. Say, there is no shortage in heaven. So everybody say, I receive. I want you to receive all that heaven has for you this morning. So the the angel visited both of them, and then the angel made statements to both of them, and the one they made to Zechariah, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him, and Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Can everybody say freaked out? Both of them freaked out. Both of them freaked out. There is nothing wrong when God tells you something in freaking out. (laughs) Okay? And in fact, if you don't freak out, I would question if it's God because God usually says something that's so big, you're like, you said what? That's the title of this message. When God shows me greater things for the church in the next 5, 10, and 15 years, I'm like, you said what? I freak out for a moment. (laughs) But in the moment of freaking out, It's not, there's nothing wrong with freaking out. The problem is what comes on you in that moment. Zachariah was overcome with fear. Mary was overcome with desire. See, when God says something amazing, there's nothing wrong with being in shock. There's nothing wrong with saying, whoa, God, is is this really you? There's nothing wrong with that moment. What, What the big premise is, is in that moment, what spirit do you let come upon you? Do you let a spirit of faith and desire come upon you or do you let a spirit of fear come upon you where you'll make a statement that produces results that you don't want to have? See, see, in the moment when God begins to tell you something big and some of you guys are looking at me like, but God's never told me something that big. Start talking to him. Some of you have a child who's sick. And the doctors are saying that it is incurable. This is one of those words that's for somebody. That the doctors are saying, I don't even know if it will ever get better. But you as a parent have a desire in your heart to say, my baby will not be abnormal. My baby will not be the reject. My baby will be anointed of God. My baby will. And when God speaks to you and says it's fixing to happen, and you freak out and say, oh, how's it going to be? What spirit are you letting come upon you? There should be a spirit on all believers that a spirit of desire and faith comes upon because finally your hope, which is the substance of things, your, your hope is now attached to faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for. What you've been hoping for has now just been confirmed and your spirit of faith should come upon it. Come on now. And when a spirit of faith comes upon it, a spirit of desire will happen and you'll ask the right question. But... If in your hoping God responds and you let a spirit of fear come upon you and you make a statement like Zachariah did, God, I'm too old and my wife's too old. That's what he said. And did you hear the tone of Gabriel change? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to tell you something. (laughs) I I can just imagine that moment. And I'm glad it took place in the Holy of Holies. Amen. (laughs) So nothing bad could have happened. But in that moment, when God tells you something amazing, you've got to begin to step into it with a spirit of faith and not a spirit of fear. You've got to begin to say, even respond as Mary did, even so let it be as you have said unto me according to your word, not my thoughts. 
According to what you said, not what I'm thinking right now in this moment. According to what you said, God, I'm going to trust you over me because you've done it then and you're going to do it now. This testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And if you did it for them, you can do it for me. So let it be unto me according to your word. And so in this message this morning, we've got to begin to see how are you responding When God tells you this morning at this altar call to get up from your seat and go pray with somebody on the other side of the sanctuary, you're going to say, you say, what? If you can't trust him to go pray with somebody in the church, come on. How are you going to say, make me a prophet to the nations? Because I'm telling you, you're not under persecution in this place. You're being empowered in this place to do it. But there are times and seasons when some of you are going to go around the world and you will be persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ because your faith in this moment, you didn't freak out, but you stepped in. And consider this a great honor when God calls you to go. And even if you are persecuted for the gospel's sake, get ready, he says, greater are your rewards. Greater things are coming. Greater things are happening. And that word's for somebody this morning, too. You've been desiring to go around the world somewhere, someplace. And God says, I'm just needing you to respond to me in faith, not in freaking out in fear and and, and stopping what I'm trying to do in your life. You will have opportunities in 2017 to go around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some of you, you're excited about that in this moment. But when the time comes to step out there and say, I'm going back to Sudan, Africa. Come on now. Honey, I'm not going back to Sudan. Thank you. She, she, her, her face just, I'm not going back. I, I, I'll let him handle all that, okay? I'm not saying I'm not. God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I've learned that lesson too many times. God, I am yours. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. It's not in my calendar to go back in 2017 at the moment, okay? So, so whatever he tells me to do. Both of them freaked out. But what are you overcoming? What, what, what spirit overcomes you when God speaks to you? Because so many times in the church, the reason we don't see what God tells us we should see is because we let a spirit of fear overcome us rather than a spirit of desire and faith. And so both of them were visited by an angel. Both of them freaked out. The angel responded to both of them, to Zechariah. He said, but what the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. And to Mary, he said, do not be afraid. So he told both of them, don't be afraid. Obviously, when God shows up in some crazy form like that, people freak out. But he reassured them, do not be afraid. Notice that the angel, God's voice and God's representative, did not reprimand them for freaking out. Isn't that a great thing? God didn't reprimand them for freaking out. I love that so much because some of us, we're afraid to go in the presence of God and we're afraid to ask him for some big things because you think he's going to get mad at you somehow or some way. Listen, God is not you. And just because you get mad at your kids for asking for something too big that you can't afford, there is no shortage in all of heaven, and God doesn't get mad because he can afford anything and everything we're asking of him. See, the only reason we get mad as parents at our kids when they ask us for something we can't afford is because we're mad because we can't afford it and we take it out on our kids. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's Christmas time. My kids are asking for Xbox 27 and a half, and it ain't even coming out yet. I don't even... We were standing up here praying this morning, and Caleb said, Daddy, come here. And I said, okay, I'm here. He said, I want to tell you the four things I'm thankful for. Thank you for Jesus. I thank you for God. This is just this morning in worship. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I'm thankful for my Xbox. (laughs) 
I'm like, bro, bro we, got, we got three out of the four. We're rocking this thing. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, at least he didn't say Xbox, then Jesus, the God and the Holy Spirit. He, he got it in the right order, at least. And there's nothing wrong with being thankful if you got it in the right order. Come on now. There's nothing wrong with being thankful for the house you live in as long as you're thankful first for Jesus, no matter what. God the Father and all he's done, the Holy Spirit who empowers you, and thank you for all the blessings you've given me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, God, God this morning, please get this through. Some of y'all have been fighting this, and this is, the, this is the moment of your breakthrough. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. And so many people, you're afraid to go before God because you think he is mad at you or he's going to get mad at you. God is not mad at you. The angel of God did not reprimand Mary or Zachariah for freaking out. He wasn't mad at them. In fact, I bet if you look at it from the heavenlies, that's kind of a common response. As you read the rest of the scriptures, it is. They all freak out when they see the angel of God. Okay? And so understanding that this morning when you come into the presence of God and you begin to say something, he's not mad at you. In fact, it's just the opposite. He's trying to find every way to get to you. It's more so than you coming to him. He's trying to break through all the heavenlies to, get a, to come to see you. And it's more than breaking through the heavenlies because he's already here. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's trying to break through this doubtful mind where ignorance asks for understanding, but doubt asks for proof. So he's not even trying to break through the heavenlies. He's trying to break through this mind of yours. So please say this. Say this with me. God is not mad at me. One more time. God is not mad at me. Now give me a hand clap of praise. Amen. Because he ain't mad at you. And the angel of God wasn't mad at them. Then the angel of God went on and he prophesied to them. And he said, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John and you will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn away many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready the Lord a people who are prepared. Come on now. The angel of God prophesied over Mary and said, Behold, and you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and, you will call, and, and he will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and to his kingdom there will be no end. When God shows you something, he's not trying to show you what is impossible. He's trying to show you what he's about to bring you into. That's why I wanted you to think of your impossible this morning. When God shows you something, he's not trying to show you what's impossible. He's trying to show you what he's about to bring you into. And and I'm going to say this very cautiously with with my life. I've had the amazing opportunity in the past year and a half of my life, not not calendar years, but just from this day where we're at back to a year and a half, to to be in about eight different nations from China to Vietnam, from Israel to Italy, Rome, Italy, to, to Juba, South Sudan. And, and, and I was looking through some pictures that popped up on Facebook a year ago. And, and a year ago this time, I was, in, I was in Rome. And as those pictures popped up, I, I began to think back and say, God, you, you, you brought us a long way. That seems like three or four years ago. And in that moment, God says, Joel, I don't show you things that are impossible to discourage you. 
I show you things that you think are impossible because it's what I'm about to bring you into. There is a man in here with your business. There's a man in here and you own your own business. I'll get very specific. And you're looking at situations in your business that are very discouraging right now. And God is not trying to show you what's impossible. He's trying to get you to turn your face to him because he's fixing to bring you into the impossible. He's about to do something in your business that you've been praying for for years. And just like Zachariah said, God has heard your prayers. God's been hearing your prayers. And he's been doing a shift in your life even over these past three months of how he's critiquing you and you feel like it's sandpaper is because he's not trying to show you what's impossible businessman he's showing you what he's about to bring you into you haven't been reading about fortune 500 businesses for no reason he's fixing to bring your business into a realm of greatness and don't despise the place where it's located in sulfur springs the internet makes all things possible amen come on now so god is not showing you there's a lady in here, you have a desire to write books. Many books, not just one book, many books. And you're now linked up with a lady who wrote a book. And she does a lot of good mentoring. And God's not showing you that to discourage you. He's showing you that to show you what's possible and what he's fixing to start doing in your life. So don't be afraid to pick up a pen and paper and just start scribbling. Your faith has got to start somewhere, baby. Don't, don't be afraid to pick up a pen and a piece of paper and just start writing. I told you this message prophetic in very words God is not showing you the impossible to discourage you he's showing you what seems beyond so far beyond your reach to say I'm going to be God in your life and I'm fixing to show you how I'm going to bring you into it I'm fixing to bring you into something that you have never seen before he said he'll give you the more than you could ever ask think or imagine and so I always say this God has got to start where my imagination ends that's his starting point. And as he increases my, my imagination, he gets to increase his starting point. Come on. So God is not showing you things to discourage you. He's showing you the impossible to show you what he's about to bring you into. And it's not for that big church down the street. It's for you right here at TWBC this morning. When you see great visions of your life, it's not for the impossible. It's to show you that all things are possible to those who believe. You just got to give him the right response. I, I always pray this prayer. I pray for divine appointments. Divine appointments of favor are, are there for more than encouragement. Divine appointments of favor are there for the spirit of prophecy to rest in your life. Divine appointments of prophecy are there for more than favor. They're, they're, they're there for prophecy to come into your life. And... What I mean by that is three years ago I started praying this prayer and I will not apologize for it. And if it offends your religious mind, you can come to the altar at service and repent. Come on. I have a massive heart to expand God's kingdom at a phenomenal rate. So in that, I pray God give me favor with people of wisdom, influence, and wealth and let them be generous to me. Let them be generous to me. People who have great amounts of wisdom in how to grow churches and plant churches around the world. I want to sit at your feet and I want to 
push all distractions aside. I'll throw my phone out the window, and y'all know how big that is. I'll throw my phone out the window, and I will sit at the feet of a person who has wisdom, how to expand the kingdom of God at a phenomenal rate. And I pray, God, bring me favor with people of that kind of wisdom. Let them be generous to me, and let them pour it into me because they want to, not because they got to. Let them pour it into me because they desire to see the kingdom expand. Link me up with those type of people. Give me favor with people of wisdom. And I've been praying, God, give me favor with people of influence. And let me minister to them. Let me pour into their lives. Because there will be a day when you run into a person of influence that just like Joseph did when he was at his lowest point in the dungeon, he he said to the people, remember me when you stand before the king. And there was a day they remembered him, and he went from the lowest to the highest. God, bring me favor with people of influence so I can minister to them, so I can pray for them, so I can pour into their life. And, And Lord God, let me make divine connections with those type people. And I've been praying, God, bring me, bring me great favor with people of great wealth and let them give to TWBC in a phenomenal fashion so we can, we can expand the gospel around the world. I have no problem asking for God to link me up with wealthy people. Why? Because it takes money to spread the gospel around the world at an unprecedented phenomenal rate. It takes finances to do all that God's put in the heart of TWBC to do. And, there, and heaven is, has no shortage. But God also works through people. So God, link me up with your people. Come on now. And link me up with people who ain't even your people who want to be generous to a good cause. Come on. I don't see the problem with that. And it's kind of like this. Well, Joel, I don't believe in healing. Well, then fine. Stay sick. I'm not being ugly when I say that. I'm really not. But if you don't believe in it, there's nothing I can do to talk you into it. So I'll live a healthy lifestyle. You can live whatever lifestyle you want. And we'll see who expands more for the kingdom of God. And I'm not being ugly saying that, but I have put it past me to quit catering and quit being so, so, so peacemaking and peace-loving to people who don't agree with the Bible. And I'm going to go forward with the Bible. And, and I'm going to live it out in front of people. And even to a person who, who's, who I had coffee with last week, I said, you don't believe like I believe in several areas of theology. And I said, I'm completely okay with that. That's why I'm drinking coffee with you this morning. And I said, just watch me. Follow me. Just like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we'll see which example of our lifestyles, yours or mine, expands the kingdom of God more. And we'll get back together for lunch in a couple months and we'll see what's going on in your life. Listen, he doesn't put divine appointments in your life just for favor. It's the spirit of prophecy that he's trying to bring on you and do something amazing in your life. And I want to wrap it up with this final point, the response. Zacharias said this in verse 8. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this question mark? Everybody say question mark. For I am old and I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Everybody say period. He responded. Mary responded. And Mary said to, this, to, to the angel, how will this be comma? Everybody say comma. Since I am a virgin question mark. Everybody say question mark. Ignorance asks a question and desires understanding. Unbelief asks for proof. Ignorance asks for understanding. Unbelief asks for proof. This is what was going on here. Unbelief asks a question and then follows it up with a statement that turns the desire for understanding into a statement of doubt. I'm going to repeat that. Unbelief asks a question. Zachariah asked a question. But then follows it up with a statement that turns the desire for understanding into a statement of doubt. 
He said, this is his exact words, how will I know this question mark? He asked a question. Nothing wrong with asking a question. Everybody can ask a question. The angel didn't freak out at their response if you said what? Everybody can ask a question. There's nothing wrong with it asking a question. But it all turned when he followed up with a statement that said, how is this going to happen? Question mark. Nothing wrong with that. And this is why I can't. Because I'm old and my wife is old. Nothing wrong with asking a question. It's the statement you make. It's the statement you make afterwards. And I believe his statement was the product of the spirit that he let come upon him. Prior in the story, a spirit of fear came upon him. So he made a statement. And I believe that statement is the product of fear. Mary, we'll talk about it in a second, made a statement or, or asked a question with no statement. And it left the door open for the desire for understanding to happen. She said, how will this be? He said, how is this going to happen? I'm old. It can't happen. This is like all, all people who I've said this in my life. I know God can heal me, but you made a statement. The minute you put your big old butt in there, you made a statement. I know God can heal me, but we live in the Bible Belt. I know God can heal me, but you don't know my family situation. I know God can heal me, but see, there's nothing wrong with asking a question. How can God heal me? Because he can't, because, because, because. Whenever you insert your statement after your question, you're changing your question to a statement. And so many of us as believers, I know God can supply financially, but... My, my grandmother's got more medical bills than I can think about. And, and you're saying your medical bills of your grandmother are too big for, for the God who you just said could supply. But your statement said, prove it. See, unbelief asks for proof. Unbelief asks for proof. I, I want to read this so carefully so we go home with the correct, uh, the correct theology on this. He said, how shall I know this question mark? Unbelief asks for proof. I'm old and my wife is old. He made a statement of unbelief. Now let's jump down to Mary. Mary asked a question. Nothing wrong with the question. Mary's question was, how will this be? Same thing. Comma, since I am a virgin. It's all one question. She didn't make a statement. She asked, how will this be? Because here's my current situation. She didn't say, how will I know this? Period. I'm an old person and start making excuses. And so in your life, there's nothing wrong with asking a question. And you can even change your statement of doubt that you've been making all these years to a, to a, to a question because ignorance asks for understanding and then God can come in and give you understanding. You can change it. I know God can heal me, comma, God, please show me how. Come on now. Show me how. Not, I'm old and it can't happen. I know God can put a comma and then say, reveal to me your ways, O God. Because your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, thus says the Lord. But God never intended it to stay that way. When you became born again and blood-bought child of the living God, he said, you now have a renewed mind where your thoughts can become my thoughts. Your ways can become my ways. Jesus said, you'll do even greater things than I've been doing. So they've got to become his ways. 
At bare minimum, they've got to become his ways and his thoughts. Quit making statements. Ask a question. Nothing wrong with that. My, my, dad always, my dad always says it very best, and he says, it's pointless to keep making statements unless you have the right question. You're never going to get anywhere unless you start asking the right questions. Why do you think when you go to the doctor's office, they ask so many questions, and you're annoyed by the 10 pages of paperwork that you got to check? Nope, 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 nope. Right? They're asking all these questions because they know if they ask the right questions, they'll get an understanding of where you're at, and things can happen. As the body of Christ, quit making statements, but start asking a lot of questions. And listen, unlike you as a parent, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't get annoyed with the, I got a question, 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 but why, but why, but why, but why, but why, right? All y'all parents are thinking, quit, you're bringing back awful memories of when I had a kid that's just tall. See, that's why he's a good, good father. He wants the questions. He doesn't want your statements. He wants the questions. How will this be in my life? When God's showing me things for the next five, ten years at TWBC, I've learned to quit making statements. Zachariah's statement. Now, now, now let's do the timeline on this. Zachariah's statement was more than the nine months that she was, the, the, the result of his statement lasted for more than just the nine months that she was pregnant. It says, they went home, he went home, and they conceived. I'm just making sure everybody's on the same page. There's a time frame from when he left the temple to go home and do what married people do, amen? And I said, what married people do, amen? And I said, married people, I'm not, I'm not promoting extracurricular activity in your life. What married people do. The time that he left the temple, went home to do what married people do, to the time that, that, that they conceived, and then you had the nine months. The dude couldn't talk for probably almost a year. I, I, I like you. I like talking to you. I'm glad God's grace is so supernaturally amazing. And he even showed it in Zachariah's life that his grace overcame his unbelief. Come on now, that's a good word. His grace is so great, it'll overcome his, Zachariah's unbelief. His grace is so great, it'll overcome your unbelief. But there may be some uncomfortableness Well, he's overcoming your unbelief. Or we can be like Mary. Everybody say, sweet Mary. Sweet At least we think she was sweet. One statement produced doubt. The other statement produced faith. Mary's statement was this. How will this be? Inform me since I'm a virgin. And the angel's response was this. And the spirit of God will come upon you. And the power of the most high God will overshadow you. Come on now. God's wanting to do some overshadowing in somebody's life this morning. If you'll ask him the question how, he wants to put his spirit on you and overshadow you. And he's not just going to birth something in you because it's already birthed in you. He's going to show you the plan of how it's going to happen in you. Whew, come on now. See, God is a God of details. He's not this God up there that says, oh, whatever God's going to do, he's going to do. We just don't know the ways of God. He's so mysterious. No, he's not. You just don't talk to him enough. 
He's not mysterious if you talk to him. In fact, he likes to talk a lot. And he loves fellowshipping with me. And you want to know what he loves more? He loves it when Joel's silent and he gets to impart. But then he loves to hear my response. Listen, ignorance asks for understanding. Doubt asks for proof. Unbelief asks for proof. Your response this morning to words that I've given out, to things that are going on in your life, I want you to carefully decide what your response is going to be. I think my response should always change to be, God, I believe you. Your words are true. Now begin to instruct me in the ways to see it happen. Take out all doubt from your vocabulary. Instruct me in the ways to see it happen. 